going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Lone Wolf Podcast. I'm your host, Wolfson. And today's episode, I'm going to share my experience as an up-and-coming artist, how I started this shindig, all my difficult obstacles, where I landed, what have I learned from it, my final thoughts, and at the end of the show, my recommendations to what to do in this scenario if you haven't experienced this and need some guidance. This is a very special to me since starting this show, I'm basically becoming an open book and wanted to share you guys my story as a bass artist. Since most of the time, I'm always keeping my thoughts to myself. But with this new platform, I'm going to be honest and truthful without targeting anyone. Unless, unless they have done some shady shit to me. But needless to say, it has to be said somehow. Because I'm seeing a lot of talented people doing the same mistakes as I did. And I just want to give some sort of a guidance or giving advice to all of you so you can avoid the stuff that I've been through and redirect yourself to a better direction to your artistic career. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and now on YouTube. You can check all my latest episodes there. Soon enough, everybody's going to see my pretty face on YouTube. You can also follow me at any of my social medias for updates at Wolves and Music. Now, without further ado, let's get started. This is the Lone Wolf Podcast. Boom. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the episode of the Lone Wolf Podcast, episode number five. Topic, my experience as an up-and-coming artist. Now, this is actually a very interesting episode because, like I said initially, I've seen a lot of people doing some some mistakes that they shouldn't be doing or aren't aware that they're doing because people just assume whatever they read on the Internet or whatever artists tell them what to do and whatnot, they'll just go ahead and do it. I'm not saying that some of these artists are doing a are giving bad advice, but sometimes it's better off if you just um do things a certain way instead of doing what they're doing because sometimes way how we interpret things not everybody will be thinking the same when something is very logic sometimes the logic just bounces out of the way the way how we read it and we and we read it on a different way instead of a the actual logical way and that gives mistakes and that rises mistakes from us making you know without even having a malicious intent Although I've seen some mistakes that on a daily basis that I, I don't know if they're doing it on a malicious way or they're just not unaware or nobody has told them how things are supposed to do. And that's fine. Now, there's this one way that you should never do it. And I will tell you guys straight up before I even go into my experience and how everything has started for me and what I've gained to it. Guys. If you're going to be asking somebody for something, please don't be the guys that are giving up demos on the DJs or on the clubs. Please don't be that guy. You have no idea how many times uh, when I was working at the Cleveland Hotel in South Beach, um, this random ass dude comes out of nowhere is, and starts to go up to the DJ booth. And I'm like, okay, the DJ booth is forbid for anybody to go there. The only people who can be in the DJ booth are basically the dancers, the, the staff members, and the DJ as well. And then, of course, me, because I was in charge of that. 
Um, they just go to the DJ booth, ignoring the fact that I sealed the DJ booth for nobody to get in. No, they, they'll just go over it. Anyways, they always give them these demos, like these fire beat demos. Like, yo, like you, sh you should play this, bro. Like, the, it's going to tear up the whole roof, man. Like, guarantee, bro. And you see their demos, a CD, and their title, like, Money Entertainment Presents Money Records and some weird-ass name artists. Like, I no clue. And I looked at them, and I'm like, who the hell does CDs today? Everybody has freaking a phone to connect, to hook up to a car or whatnot. Nobody uses CDs. Why are you still doing, giving away demos on a CD? And they're relentless and they think like, oh, I guarantee you, it's the hottest stuff. It's the hottest stuff. Nine times out of 10, it is the garbage stuff. I even listened to it once just to see like, all right, let's see how full of shit you really are. And my suspicions were correct. They were completely full of shit. It's just basically an artist try to imitate another artist, you know? That's been said. That's been done. Why, why should I play this song when I can just hear the actual artist who's done it? You're just basically copy and pasting. And that's some of the stuff that I'm going to be saying in, throughout this episode. Because a lot of people try to imitate some of our favorite heroes, some of our favorite artists. And we believe that, man, if I can sound almost the same as him, I can probably make it. Because if he did it, I can do it. False. It's okay that you can learn like him and be like your favorite artist but don't sound like him because on every label or every place if we already have someone that sounds like him why do we need you what are you giving us like you got everything we got a lot to lose you don't you basically don't have nothing to do so what do you what what do we gain from this what's the leverage on this and yeah that's one of the things I've learned. And this is how the story starts. I started out as a house producer. Yes, I know. Who would have thought me as a bass producer and bass advocate and me bashing a lot on a lot of house DJs out there who does pre-recorded sets and ghost production, to name a few, Hartwell. Not, not the pre-recorded part, but the ghost production part. Like, I know who does his music on his label. I don't know if he still works. By the way, me saying that it's not uh, it's not news. It's already been out there. So if anybody wants to check it out, you can guys go ahead and check out these facts. But it is out there. Hartwell's one of Hartwell's produ ghost producers is actually Ashley Walbridge. And shout out to that guy. He does a lot of I didn't realize that he actually does a lot of music for many house DJs. Also, Kashmir. For those of you who believe Kashmir, Kashmir used to be one of the cataracts. And that was like, woof, back in 2010. Damn, he was he was a shit back then. Well, still is. And it was when the big room era started to boom. Uh, he became a ghost producer for spinning records and does and did a lot of songs for a lot of big artists, including Tiesto and Dubs and Borges, the Tsunami track, and a couple more. And he's still kicking it, you know? But but yeah, I, I instead of me following those guys, I actually follow more the Ghost producers because they're the ones who are making the song. So it started all around like a 2010. That's where I got the EDM fever that got to me. I've been listening to EDM before 2010, but... It was just, you know, one song here and there. Like, I know in my graduation around 28, like two, uh, 2008, uh, one of my sons was 
Oof. I no, 2006 is when I started listening to Tiesto, Armin Van Buren, um, Paul Oakenfall, and all these trans gods. Because they're literally trans gods. And I fell in love with the, that. And then obviously Tiesto started from trans and then started slowly but surely becoming to a house. And then right around that time, David Guetta with The World Is Mine and a couple more hits like The Love Is Gone. Yeah. And then Dead Mouse as well. So obviously I've been following those guys, but I never got into it. Like back then I was just uh, DJing on reggaeton parties, basically. Yes. I mean, P Puerto Rico's unanimous, famous um, reggaeton parties. That was the shit back then. Reggaeton parties like you you as a dj you know how to play reggaeton you can mix around the reggaetons like phew, you're the shit that's basically basically how it was how it was back then i don't know how how it is today but i know that back then that the edm scene back then was not there that was a fact it was like around 2010 is that the edm scene started to flourish more and that's where I started to get more involved in the EDM scene with the house scene. And the, believe it or not, I was into drum and bass as well. It was around that time the Skrillet started to pop out as well. And EDC Puerto Rico was there as well. And obviously, it was around that time that I, that I went to EDC Puerto Rico. And I heard freaking Moby. And I heard, I couldn't believe it. I heard Will I Am set on main stage. And believe it or not, it was actually pretty good. For Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas, yeah, it was pretty good. I actually dance around his song on all his songs, but again, it was it was popping, you know. And they, he played some of the David Guetta tracks as well. And who else? LMFAO was well party rock at that time. And obviously, I fell in love with Pendulum, the drum and bass band from Australia. Rob Swire, that guy is a God that was among humans. He's a genius when it comes to singing and playing any instruments. And of course, ultimately, he switched from drum and bass pendulum to become knife party into all genres. It started off with dubstep and drum and bass and then work his way up to the big room and then the, the complex row and then now is in this weird shape of house. I, I don't know. I still I still follow this guy like that guy's insane. Rob Swire, dude, holy shit. But during those times that I'm getting filled with so much information, so much music from so, so much backgrounds, I decided to go focus more on the house scene because I, I noticed that not everybody was into the drum and bass or the bass scene itself. So it was at that time it was still underground. I remember the next the following year, uh, I went to another EDC and that's where I started listening to Andy C, Excision. Oh my God, Excision back then. Shout out to 12 Planet, Dirty Phonics, Infected Mushroom. And the next day after EDC, one of my homies from college called me like, yo, Dirty Phonics, 12 Planet, Effective Mushroom are right now doing an unannounced after party at this spot. And they're all back to back. They're all just hanging and chilling with everybody. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm going there. I met all four members of the Dirty Phonics before, before Dirty Phonics went from four to two. I met all four of them. I met Infected Mushroom. All the members of Infected Mushroom. And I met 12 Planet. I was blown away. So, so meeting those guys, I'm following Dirty Phonics and 12 Planet for many years. And then when they transitioned to Dubstep, I was just like, 
hey, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but neither is that. It needs to be said so you guys can get the sense of how uh, how I transitioned easily from myself from being a house producer to a bass producer. Um, but it all started with house. It all started with David Guetta, Dead Mouse, and Tiesto, and all start, and then it just boils that up to all the artists I've continued to follow. And I started making house DJs and then I decided to start making house sets. And the only problem I had back then is just like, I didn't know where to go or who to go to, to these clubs. And some of these clubs, they're well known for reggaeton. They don't care. or in Reggaeton and hip hop in, in general. They don't really care about EDM because at the time EDM wasn't really popping. It was, it was flourishing, but it wasn't like, yeah, the it, the it factor, you know? Like everybody now goes to EDM shows. They don't go to reggaeton. That's the thing. It wasn't there. And I I figured it's like, what better chance to do it now that no, it's barely new. So I could be one of the first few to do it. <sighs> there was a lot of hardships. There was a lot of ass kissing. There was a lot of work that I had to do just to get into a promo, just to get into a job. A DJ job and I get paid shit or not at all. But the exposure was there. But that's fine. I took that because it, it allowed me to DJ at certain notorious clubs up there, including one of them at Senior Frauds, which I did a paint party uh, on Senior Frauds and I was well known. Everybody loved me in that Senior Frauds. Like I was the shit over there. They just they just fell in love with me um, on Senior Frauds. If only the, the manager slash DJ asshole could have paid my money that he owed me that he promised me. But then again, that's neither here or there. I got it. By the way, long story short, I got him to pay my money because I brought my lawyer. <laughs> he was shitless. Unfortunately, after that, I couldn't get hired anymore. But I couldn't care less. Anyways, as the, my Puerto Rican chapter continues, I'm still into the housing, but I realized that in order for me to play it at an EDC or some other random festival for or whatever show for music, I found out that people are much more reluctant to choose DJs that make music. And so I started making Music, obviously, I didn't know for shit. And granted, I didn't know anything about keys or anything. So I, I was just clueless. Key scaling, everything. I basically learned everything on my own. And I had a mentor. Thankfully, he didn't charge me. He just he was just so happy that I was I was I managed to to have the same attitude as he does. But he was a tech house guy. Needless to say, I love that guy. He mentored me all the way because there was a lot of things I didn't know what to do. And there was a lot of things I wanted to do and I couldn't do. And I was doing it wrong. So he has been in the game for quite some time. He was, at that time, he was like 15 years older than me. I was, at that time, I was 23 and he was like 30 something reaching to his 40s, something like that. I don't know. It was something like that. I could, I, I'm not doing the math right now, but I know he was older than me and he had it, he had knowledge because he's been on drum and bass on the underground scene and whatnot. And now he's playing tech house and techie shit and whatnot. Shout out to him. Shout out to Christopher Alexander from the Z Boys on Puerto Rico. I learned so much from him. Like it's because of him. I I managed to learn how to use Ableton Live. It's all thanks to him. I, I managed to be the person that I am and do because I basically go over here and he just mentored me. 
And the reason why he mentored me is because he loved how I how, how I DJ, how I actually spin, how I mix all sorts of genres all into one and managed to get the crowd movies. Because if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't he could give a shit. Everybody in the bar always tells me like, wait, what? You made friends with Shaggy? That was his nickname, Shaggy. You what? You make friends with Shaggy? What? Shaggy's going to help you? He's going to mentor you how to DJ and how to how to produce music? I'm like, yeah, is that surprising? He's like, yeah. Shaggy normally doesn't like anybody. He gives free thoughts about anybody. And and he's, if he, he's the type of guy that if he sucks, he's going to turn off your music and tell you you suck ass and leave. That's the type of guy he is. I was like, well, I'll be damned. I guess I made him like me, I guess. But it's also, it falls down because of my personality and how charismatic I am and how how interactive I am, how I, how much I appreciate music overall, not just on one certain genre and whatnot. But yeah, I'm, Shaggy started to mentor me in all those years. And it got to the point that, look, man, I don't know what to do because like I'm not, I, I'm learning a lot from you. But I, it seems like I'm not learning enough. I'm not learning enough and I don't know what to do. And believe it or not, he's one of the first guys to tell me like, you know what, maybe you should go to on an audio school or a music school they'll definitely can take you to the next level. So he's one of the reasons. I Obviously, in my previous episodes, I've mentioned like I, I wanted to go to audio school from the get-go. But he was one of the reasons in which he told me like, you know, if you're finishing school, just finish school and then go to go to an audio school. It doesn't matter whether it's it's a technical, it doesn't matter if it's a bachelor, it doesn't matter if it's a master, or like whatever degree, it doesn't really matter. Even if it's a diploma, just go to the school. Because if that's what you want, that's where you're going to learn more. You're going to be much more happy and you're going to be flourish even more. And I agree. I thank him for him for that. Any of my success that I have up to do now, I always got to have to thank him because it's because of him. He gave me the, the starting point to do so. He guided me on certain things, even though there were still some things I had to find out about my, about my own. And I didn't know certain things. It's I owe my thanks to him because that's. All my success is because of him. That's one person that I'm thanking for because there's a bunch of people I want to thank for on the other half of this story. Because so far, I just mentioned you guys the Puerto Rican chapter. Now I'm going to start talking about the Miami chapter, which is where I currently live here in South Florida. But before I go there, it, it's a great thing that I actually went to south florida to go to go to school and then do all my all my career start from there because before i left miami i actually burned and crashed many bridges not with my mentor with other people all because of a stupid facebook war back then facebook was much more popular than twitter and twitter was just old shits and love and whatnot twitter wasn't that the twitter feud hate social hate culture or social justice platform that it is now back then twitter was just good but facebook facebook oh my god i had a facebook war with some fuckhead his dj name was dj dano i i was always in war with that guy and the reason why is because obviously back then I had no filter and I just say if I have to say somebody that you suck and you or you like have no credit, I basically say it to either their face or in Facebook. Boy, that got me so much trouble by doing shit like that. What the fuck did I know? Now I just I could give a shit. I, now I, I don't really care. 
I could just say you fucking suck. I really don't care. But back then, I had that same mentality. Only this time, I realized that I couldn't burn bridges back then because those bridges is what were going to help me to get into DJs on the radio stations, put my music out there and whatnot. Burn those bridges very quickly than the Hindenburg because I was on a Facebook war in which everybody was involved. And I didn't know that this dumbass had an agency or a manager that was well-known in Puerto Rico in the music scene. And because of it, the managers like step in and obviously everybody backed up because they were the only biggest management company of artists in Puerto Rico. I forgot what was the name, but who gives a shit? Anyways, one of the things that he told me, it's and the reason why I was in war with him, it's because um, I was in one party and this guy did two douchey things. One, he actually... He actually opened up for Nicky Romero once. And you can look, guys, you can look this up. This DJ, DJ Dano, actually opened up for Nicky Romero and played some of Nicky Romero's music before Nicky Romero. That was, dude, let me give you guys a, a word of advice. If you're open up for a DJ, whichever DJ you're opening, make sure that A, don't play some of the hits that are playing right now because most of the time those DJs are gonna are gonna play it. Even though that's stupid in my in my opinion, everybody should play whatever the fuck they should play because then that means that the main headliner gives them a challenge and you know and they can play something else or do something else. You know, in my expertise, if I'm headlining and somebody plays hit songs that I was hoping to play, that only makes me. Not angry at all. That actually makes one of chance. He's like, oh shit, all right. You want to do this? Let's do this. All right, got you. I got you. I'm going to play some of my IDs, some of my songs, and I'm going to play some other songs that people never heard of or have heard of in years, but I'm make it, I'm going to make it. Yo, I'm just going to make it. But there are those many DJs that they don't want you to play those hit songs. And number two, make sure you don't play the headliner's music. That's like... A no-no on any level, no matter what. I've seen this all the time here in, in Florida, like in club space, in, I, in heart, club heart or high heart or even the festivals or or club cinema. Like, I've seen this all the time. I'm like, dude, you're just asking yourself, like, not to get booked again. That's what you're doing right now. But then go back in again. So DJ Dano basically open up and he actually played some of Nicky Romero's in which Nicky Romero got mad and called him out. So nobody is going to book that DJ again. Second thing he did on, a, on the most douchey way to do is that he basically said himself that he's the David Guetta of Puerto Rico. There's no one like him. Like, why should I make music when I'm the David Guetta of Puerto Rico? When I heard that in my fucking ears, I seriously not. My face dropped out because that was utterly disrespectful for anybody who's trying to struggle to be a producer out there or an up-and-coming artist. And he just takes it like with bottle of shots and whatnot. That's utterly disrespectful. And and that's where I went on war with him on Facebook. And then, you know, that's where we got insults, insults. And then at the end, he just told me like, what was it that he told me? It was something like you uh, you're never going to be playing on any festival here in Puerto Rico. Boy, I made him eat his words because years later, I came back to one of the biggest festivals in Puerto Rico and headline twice in that one night. That's another story for another time. But um, yeah, all the radios back off. Nobody wanted to do with me. Nobody want to work with me. 
so I was just basically, oh shit, I burned huge bridges with everybody now. So now the Miami chapter begins. Because now, this is, on, this is now the chapter in which all the stuff that we've been talking about will land. But I needed you guys to learn, hear my story from, from all the stuff that I've done from Puerto Rico and why I moved here. Because I knew like if I'm going to have a chance, it has to be here from Miami. I cannot burn any bridges. And I learned a lot from all the past mistakes that I did back then when I used to be in Puerto Rico. And I applied them here. So over there, I was actually very kind of an arrogant because I was just calling off people without having been a successful artist, without being established, if anything, if without being an established person over there in Puerto Rico, like nobody knows who I am, you know, and I burned that bridge before I even started it. So I said to myself, all right, I'm going to try my best to be as humble as possible, be grateful, uh, take every opportunity, even if it means not getting any money out of it. I need to do something. I need to start something from here. Like I cannot burn any bridges. I can't do any of this shit at all. So, so now we jump into how I started over here in my, in South Florida and all the hardships and where has it landed me. So as I as I was finishing my school year in SAE, one of my classmates showed me a Twitter post saying like. If you want to DJ on Life in Color or you want to promote for Life in Color, or you want to enter for free on Life in Color Music Festival, go to this meeting, a club space at this certain time and, you know, and register or, you know, sign up or whatnot. I was like, shit, that's actually a, that's actually an opportunity. Yeah, I'm 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 up for it. I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah. So me, my my best friend and my, and my my colleague, Luisito, shout out to Luisito, man, he's doing a lot of cool things right now. Um, we went to Club Stays. We met up with the owners of Life in Color. It was I didn't know it was actually a promote a promoters meeting. Like it's it's basically including people to be part of a promotion company for Life in Color. But the whole gig is like you know you promote for them, you get in for for Life in Color. Like if you sell tickets for for everybody, you can get it for free on Life in Color. That was the that was the given. And I mean. All right, you know, like you go in for festival. A festival normally you spend like at least more than a hundred dollars on a festival, whichever festival you go. Obviously, the most expensive is either EDC or Ultra, or even Tomorrowland. But Life in Color or Sunset Music Festival or other festivals like that, they don't charge like that like three hundred dollars for a festival. It's more of a hundred dollars range for a day or two days or something like that. But I get in for free. And sometimes if I work even harder, I go backstage. That's one of the cool things that I got from it, you know. So obviously I went there. They were showing us the video. Welcome to the Life of Color uh, family and whatnot. That's where I met uh, Lucho. Shout out to Lucho, man. I'm, I'm definitely going to ask you for a podcast. If you're listening to this, I'm asking you to come over here. At that time, he was at the... He was the owner of uh, co Committee Events. That was the name of the promotion company before right now it is Apex Presents. That's the name of the company that he owns right now. And uh, yeah, I just went up to him after the whole meeting of, the, you know, all the stuff we got to do and blah, blah, blah. After all that, I just talked to him privately side to side, just like, hey, all right. So I've done this before. I've done the promoting a little bit me lying a little bit but so telling me truth give it to me straight what is it that i have to do 
to play at uh, uh, a set in Life in Color? Do I have to show you my DJ skills on a club? Like, you give me a shitty hour, I'll play for a shitty hour. I've, I got a lot of skills as a DJ. I'm doing this for quite some time. Like, I gave him the run now. And, and short, simple, he just told me, all right, here's what you do. If you can sell a lot of tickets for any of our shows and as well for Life in Color, if you do a lot of street promo, meaning handing out flyers all the time and doing lots of hours of it, if you post on social media all the time about all our parties, if you manage to do all those free, I can't guarantee you you'll, there's going to be a spot for you on Life in Color, but I can guarantee you that I can put you on one of our shows. One of our big shows. Doesn't have to be in the club. Our big shows. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's do this. There was something wrong with that because I can't sell tickets if I don't know anyone in Miami or in South Florida overall. Literally. I just recently moved into South Florida. Like by the time when I started working with these guys, like over a year, one year, exactly. So uh, I don't know anybody that can, you know, I could go and call them. I only know my cousins and my best friend, my roommates. That's it. And most of them are not into EDM. They're just more into hip hop and trap and reggaeton and whatnot. So I was like, oh, shit. So how am I going to get into life in color? How am I going to show him, you know, like how? So what I did is basically did a shitload of street hours. And those street hours, I impress him and the, the Life and Color owners. They haven't met anybody who's done that many street hours. I did total of 300 street hours because that's the best I can do. I can't on my social medias. I not everybody's into EDM either, so I don't have anybody. All I can do is just post and, sh and you know show them that demonstration that I'm working. I'm trying to get to something, you know. So the closest thing that I can do for sure was doing street hours, and that's what I did. At that time, I was unemployed and I was still looking for a job. But in the meantime, I'll rather do this type of job. So I went to FIU, UM, FAU, NSU. I went to the malls. I went to South Beach. I went to gee, downtown. Yeah, Bayside. I went to Bayside and Bayfront. Uh, I went to other parts that were in Fort Lauderdale as well. I totally forgot. I did everything. Block parties, festivals, whatnot. I street promo everything. I even went with him, um, Tallahassee, on a UM game versus um, the fucking Seminoles over there. That we whooped their asses. We stayed there at a weekend with them, and I street promo over there as well. It's like, hey, life and color, life and color. Hey, our show, our show, our show. And I did the same thing for Orlando on EDC as well. EDC in Orlando. I street promo over there for days and days. Bro, I kid you not. I paid my dues. and got to the point that they were impressed. They gave me 10 free tickets for me to sell at whatever price I want to. And not only that, I got access to be on Life in Color. I had the backstage ready. And as well, they gave me a show to play. I'm opening up for Yellow Claw on, on a December. Never going to forget. That was my first show. I was so hyped and pumped and excited because I didn't know. I was still transitioning for being a house to to a bass. I was still playing house music. But then I figured like. Looks like the bass scene is much more welcoming than the house scene. And not only that. Like 
I've been wanting to play bass music for quite some time. I couldn't because all the clubs or the DJ sets that I play was all house and people like the house. And that's what much more for So the way I look at it on, on this is that I can finally do what I want. I can finally play whatever the fuck I want and make that transition from house to bass easier for me because it was at that show that I demonstrate them. I said a back to back set with with um with with Oddigy that was that I did a back to back with him. Shout out to him and Howard and his people, Powerhouse. We did a back to back, and I did um from beginning to end. It was started with house music and work our way up from house to trap to dubstep and to drum and bass that we finished it off like that. It just it gave like a foreshadow of what I should be doing right now, you know, and. Yeah, because of it, I was I managed to do bass music right now. Like now, I love to do dubstep and trap and mid tempo and some chill steps and whatnot here and there. Like now, that's my thing. That's what I love to do. And because of that work that I did, I basically played right there in that show. I managed to be on the local spot for Life and Color. My name was in the he- in the flyer twice, and from then on, it was just bunch a bunch of shows that I did. I was still working with them. These shows were for free, but it was more of the exposure. It got to a certain point that, all right, I love doing this, but I hate promoting. I've been saying that for quite some time, but I kept it to myself because, A, I don't want to commit the same mistakes I did on Puerto Rico. So I just shut up and and just promote and promote. At that point is where I realized like I wasn't being very happy with what I'm doing and I, I should be doing some other stuff. I wanted to do the, the artist routine in which I want to be a, a well-known bass artist. I want to start doing bass music. And I started making some dope songs. That's where I got to with um, Big and Slim. Shout out to you guys, my brothers. And as well for Needy Greedy, my other brother for another mother. He was actually like on the verge to blow up. But he needed to learn how to DJ. So I show him how to DJ skills. And in return, he he showed me how to do certain things in Ableton and, and, and dubstep overall, because that's what I try to learn. So he was teaching me dubstep in a sense. And it's because of his music. Before he was nitty gritty, he was Ricky Mears and his SoundCloud. And most of his dubstep music was just all melodic. There was a couple of one here and there. that um, To this day, I, f- I love those dubstep tracks that he made. He inspired me to get, to actually continue on to be the base artist that I, that I am right now. But again, I've been doing this promotion for quite some time and, and I got to the point I'm just, I, I can't, I can't. So I started to do less promotion and more focusing on my music. But what has got to me, it, it got me to a point in which I felt like I was a second class citizen because now I wasn't giving the good shows. I wasn't putting much effort. I wasn't selling as much as I did before. Any other shows I get, like people will start, will try to run my hour slots and, you know, I had to fight and whatnot. <sighs> it, was, it was pretty hard for me. And, you know, most of the time I, I said, I can only fight to those people. I cannot fight to the others of what's happening because they got other shit and then I'm going to deal with my shit. So that's where I started to learn how to do shit on my own and start it out. Because if I didn't do it, then people are just going to run over me and not do anything about it. So at all of that, where has it landed me? 
because of all that work and all that hard work that I did for the promoting company and making music and DJing and all this said, I've done like over 12 shows opening up big, well-known artists like Borgor, Bear Grylls, OK, um, Jello Claw. Obviously, I got to put them and as well, festivals, Life in Color. Oh, yeah, I did Nightmare, I believe. Uh, Life in Color and Dreamland Music Festival. And um, I met a lot of artists. Some boy twice I met him. Shout out to you, Josh. He is my favorite artist of all time. My number one uh, after Rob Swire, of course. <laughs> I met Skrillitz in person a couple of times. I met Sidney Sansom. I met uh, I met a lot of heroes that I, I looked up to. Obviously, Nightmare, I met him three, four times. Borger once. I met, oh, Fun Case. I, oh, yeah. Snails. But yeah, I met a lot of well-known artists. You know, they're very cool people. I love, I love them, and I learned a lot from it. And it, where has landed that you know? After all this, I look, I look bad. I'm like, you know what? I have no regrets of not going through this because at least I learned a lot from it, and I learned a lot of things that I never knew that were never taught, um, school or before. And the reason I say that is because school never taught me how what it is to be inside inside the industry they taught me how to be become the industry or become this and that but they never taught me how it this works so so when i was in the promotion game um there was a lot of things i did not like to do i hate promoting i've said it a couple of times like i hate it to my utmost guts but i had a goal they're gonna use me i might as well use them back and i game and i did it i managed to gain all the people that i need to talk to I networked the hell up. I got lots of emails and and still talk to this day with some of these people. It was a it was a great experience. If I would have changed it, probably what I would have done is focus 100% on the music and not much on the promoting. I couldn't do both at the same time. It was very hard for me. And a lot of people are struggling with that because I'm pretty sure some of these up and coming artists, they're trying to figure out how to how to land themselves um, on one of these shows. But what I learned from it is that if you want to play at Club Space or or Heart or Club Cinema or any of these festivals, the way I learned from it is don't promote, don't fall yourself into a promotion company and, you know, work for free for them and do and do all these um, shows. Don't do it. If you if you actually really like DJ and could care less about about making music and you just want to put your name out there for fame and whatnot and do all that type of shit, but then you know what? Go for it. That's that's perfect for you. You just want to DJ all the time. You just want to DJ EDM music all the time. You just want to be hanging around with these guys. You just want to be the number one local and whatnot. Then fine. Yeah. Then kudos. If that's what you want, then go for it, guys. Go for it. Go be a promoter and be the DJs, uh, be the promotion company's DJ. You know, that way you'll get a guarantee set all the time and, you know, do your thing. Sell all the tickets, invite people, get those bottles popping. DJ and whatnot. Hey, man, shouts, go for it. But if that's not what you want, then I suggest not to go fall for for promotion and just focus on your music. One hundred and ten percent. Focus on your music because believe it or not, needy greedy, never touched once or set foot once of being a, 
on a promotion company. And he focused his talent and his gift to music. And look where he is right now. He's right now a rising star. One of the biggest right, well-known names in the, in, in the industry scene right now. And I, and I told him, when I met him, I told him because of his music was unbelievable. I told him, I'll guarantee you this. You're going to be bigger than fucking Skrillex. Guaranteed. Because the guy is a multi-genre EDM producer artist. Like, he does anything, and he has worked with many talented people. Not once has he promoted on any promoting companies. Not once. And yet, he managed to be where he is right now. But it's because of endless hours of dedication, of not going out, and we're going to talk about that on another episode later in the future, but of not going out, um, focusing on your music, focusing on your sound, Getting yourself better. Learn how to be a great audio engineer by mix and mastering. Create your sound and, you know, all that stuff. You know, it's just not not saying perfect your craft, but close to that. Close to enough that you, you can have a name of yourself because guarantee people will listen to you. Artists, DJs are going to listen to you. Labels are going to be interested in listening to you. Believe it or not, it does happen. The things that you cannot do is, you know, bombard all these A&Rs or DJs with, look, yo, check out my music, check out my music. Not even on the post. Don't do that. Don't post on any of the artists' posts, letting them know. Don't even post on someone else's post, say, like, check out my music. Don't even do that. Check out my music bullcrap. Like, no, that's a no-no. If you want an artist to or an a to listen to you, first of all, make sure that you're respectful. Second of all, make sure that you're courteous and tell them, I hope you're having a good day or something like that. Give them a nice brief explanation of what you're trying to send them and send them your music. And make sure, and first, make sure your music is the shit. Make sure it's well-mastered, well-mixed. The sound is sick. The whole melody is sick. The whole uh, structure of the music makes sense. It's cohesive and it sounds amazing. You have to make sure that all those factors are in and send them either a DM or an email, whatever you can get. Bro, guarantee those guys are going to listen to it. If they like it, they fuck with it. They're going to email you back. And when they do, bro, believe it or not, that's, that's, that's going to be your starting point to go over there and do your thing. The way I did it is one route. There are thousands of routes but this is one route that i will always recommend people to to avoid which brings us to the end of the show to my final thoughts my recommendation it's cool because my final thoughts and, and the recommendations of what to do in this scenario are all intertwined with each other They're, so i'm not going to repeat myself i'm just going to say it right there so to wrap this up if you're in a position in which you want to become an up-and-coming artist you don't know where to go you can either check out my previous episode in, about music school. If you don't know nothing about being a musician or, or you're just trying to figure out, you know, go to that school. That helps you out. And from there on, you can start off. That's actually a good starting point to go. Second, if you already done any of that, if you're already a DJ, like you know how to DJ and you know how to make music, but you don't know how to network anything. It's great to go to these promotion companies to network and talk to people but not for long. I recommend not to do that. But if you actually want to do it, that's the best way to, to network with some of these hardest artists and 
management companies and whatnot. You're always going to meet somebody out there that they're, that they're connected to someone somehow. So in just make great music. Just make great music. Master your craft. Be better at it. Be a good DJ. Learn how to DJ. You can have a simple controller, like a small-ass Pioneer controller. And later on, when you get good at it, you start practicing so you can go with the CDJs and whatnot. To be honest, focus on your music. Don't go to these promotion companies. But I already mentioned it before. If you want to be on these promotion companies because you want to be DJ now, you want to do this now, you want to have the fame and shit and whatnot, then go for it. But if you're looking at this as a long run term, focus on your music, master your craft and get it done. That's the best way to do it. And I can tell you this from experience of what I've done and what I've learned and what I've seen from many talent artists that I see right now. Focus on your music. It's the best way to get your music out there and get people out there to listen to you. Guarantee. So we're going to wrap this up, guys. And, you know, it, it's been good. I really like to be talking about this type of stuff. And, you know, guys, comment down below to share your experience. If you're actually sh uh, having a similar experience as I am, man, I want to hear your story as well. So please let me know in the uh, comments down below. Thank you guys for listening. And always remember, every week it's a brand new episode or a brand new topic. So be sure to like and subscribe to get your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and now on YouTube. That's right. So now I'm actually uploading all my YouTube audio clips before I can actually start with the actual video YouTube channel. Okay, so thank you guys and share your story. Just share your story to me. I'm I'm interested to listening to you guys. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.